Good to see you all here today. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you look good. Even if they don't look good, just tell them you look good. Everybody needs a little bit of encouragement sometimes. Good to see you all here today. So excited today to have both campuses in one house. That's exciting to me. I, I never get to see my parents as excited as they are when all of their children come home. And that's what I felt like the last two Sundays, last Sunday and today, just seeing everybody together in one roof is just so, so wonderful and so excited. Uh, Soda, we're going to party with y'all next week on uh, Sunday after church, and uh, it's going to be an awesome time. Uh, so, so definitely looking forward to that. I've got a word for you today. Uh, what God wants to do in this message and in this service today is he wants to redefine your 2018 so that he can set you up to understand your 2019. He wants to redefine your 2018 so that you can understand your 2019. You see, you've got some wrong ways of thinking about 2018 that have already precluded the possibility of you entering into divine blessing in 2019. We got to get our minds right this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to get your mind right. Mm. I'm in John chapter 9. I'm just going to read a few verses to you here because this is important. John chapter 9. We're going to start by understanding 2018 and then we're going to, then we're going to jump to 2019. John chapter 9 verse 1. As he went along, that is Jesus, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now jump down to verse 6. After saying this, he spit on the ground. (laughs) Made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Let's pray. (laughs) Precious Heavenly Father, we pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That before we leave this place, you would wash us in the pool of Siloam. We came here today to wash so that we might go home seeing. I pray it in your name. Amen. 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 So Jesus is walking down the road with his disciples, and they see a person who is less fortunate than them. They see a person who is in a difficult situation and has been in that situation since he was born. And they say to Jesus, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind, whose fault is it that he finds himself in his present situation? Who is being punished? Or whose punishment is he bearing? Is he bearing his own punishment for his own sin? Or is he bearing the punishment for his parents' sin? Whose fault is it that this man is in the situation he's in. You see, the disciples had a theology, and the theology was, it's got to be somebody's fault. 
You see, many of us in this room right now have that same theology. It's got to be somebody's fault. See, 2018 was a difficult year for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. And many of you went through your 2018 and went through the trials of 2018 and you endured the sufferings of 2018 and the stretchings of 2018 and all of the things you had to go through in 2018. And now that you're at the end of the year, you're asking yourself, whose fault is it? Who sinned? And you're going back and forth. Some of you in here are thinking, it's my fault. I'm the one who messed it up. I can't blame nobody but myself. I made my bed. Now I got to lie in it. I messed up. I'm the one who screwed it up. It's my fault. It's my sin. Of course, I went through the stuff I went through because I'm so messed up as a person and I, I tend to make bad decisions and, and I don't know how to do stuff right. And, and if I could just figure out how to make my life right, maybe I could have a better 2019. It's my fault. And others of you are thinking it's somebody else's fault. If it wasn't for this person in my life, if it wasn't for that husband I married, I would have a better life. If it wasn't for that wife I married, if, it, if that's what Adam said, right? Lord, is that woman you gave me. It's her fault and your fault, Lord, because you gave me the woman. And it's her fault because she's off the hook. It's mom and dad's fault. That's why I'm going through such a difficult situation because of what my mom and dad did to me, how they messed me up. They messed me up so bad. I don't know how to act as a human being. It's their fault. Maybe it wasn't mom and dad's fault. Maybe it was an uncle or an aunt. Maybe it was a teacher in grade school. Maybe, maybe it's your co-worker's fault. Maybe it wasn't in your past. Maybe it's in your present. If I just had a good boss who knew how to lead well, then maybe I would do better on my job. But I hate my job because of my co-workers and I'm in such a terrible situation because of what other people have done to me, yeah. it's got to be somebody's fault. Yeah. Whose fault is it, said the disciples. Yeah. And Jesus says, neither. You got the wrong theology. This isn't about blame. Look at your neighbor say, it's not about blame. <laughs> your situation is not about blame. What you're going through in your situation, you will never make it through it if your strategy is to find the right person to blame. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, if your strategy is either to blame yourself or to blame somebody else, you will never make it through your situation. Jesus says, you've got the wrong theology of trial and tribulation. Jesus says, neither this man sinned nor his parents sinned. Now, yeah. I mean... Of course, the guy can't be born blind because of his own sin. He was born blind. That's like saying, God, God, you know what? I'm going to make you blind because of what you're going to do. <laughs> My mama used to give us a little, little beating, a little whooping, you know, before going into Emporium Capwells. <laughs> you know, I know you're going to do something in there, so <laughs> line up. Just <laughs> get that wooden spoon out. Put your hands out. Line up. What's this for? It's for what you're about to do. <laughs> You haven't done, but I haven't done nothing yet, but I know you're about to do it. God says, I know everything, and I know you're going to do some stuff in your life, so I'm just going to zap you with blindness. <laughs> no, it's not him, Jesus says, and it's not his parents either. Can you imagine that? Like God says, you know what? I'm so displeased with you two, I'm going to smite your children with blindness. <laughs> like, what kind of God would that be? Who makes your children blind because of stuff you did? Does that even make Jesus says, no. You don't understand human suffering. Yeah. In the theology of the disciples, human suffering was the divine punishment yeah. 
for human sin. God says, because you have done wrong, I will smite you with suffering. And Jesus says, you've got the wrong theology of trial. No, neither this man nor his parents sin. And he does not mean they never sinned. They never committed a sin. He simply says, neither of their sin is the explanation of their trial, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Translation, do you know why he's blind? Why is he blind? So that God can be glorified by making him see. The real meaning of your trial is your trial is an opportunity for God to be glorified by pulling you out of your trial. Did you get that? Not not because if you got it, you'd be dancing up and down the aisles like you were in the church of God in Christ right now. The real meaning of your trial, the purpose of your trial is for God to get some glory out of rescuing you out of your trial. The purpose of your sickness is for God to be glorified by healing you of your sickness. The purpose of your struggle is for God to be glorified by pulling you out of your struggle. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And the disciples are like, for real? And Jesus was like, for real, real. And they were like, for real, real? And Jesus was like, I'm not just trying to show, I'm not just trying to tell you. I'm about to show you. Come here, Mr. Blind Man. Watch this, disciples. Blind man, yeah, over here. Yeah, just come, come with me. Notice the man was blind. He didn't even know who was leading him. Yeah. He didn't even have any faith. Yeah. He didn't even ask Jesus to heal him. Yeah. This guy got healed as an object lesson to somebody else. (laughs) He accidentally got healed. (laughs) He stumbled into a miracle that he was not expecting. And the one thing, you see, when you have that theology that your struggles are because of your sin or somebody else's sin, you also have the theology that your blessing is because of your righteousness or somebody else's righteousness. And so the Lord heals you, and you go, "Mm, I must have done something right. The Lord must really be pleased with me. Oh, bless the Lord, all my soul. Thank you, Lord, that you're pleased with me. And you know how you know that you think that way of yourself? When somebody else doesn't get the miracle that you got, you you start lecturing them. Well, I got healed of that. I used to have the same problem, but the Lord healed me. He must think more highly of me than you. No, this man accidentally got healed. He just happened to be the object lesson. So often when God does a miracle in your life, it's not even for you. He's trying to teach something to somebody else. You're not even aware of the conversations that the people around you are having with God. And sometimes God works a miracle for you to teach them something. Sometimes it's because of your nephew or your niece or your cousin or your auntie or your uncle, somebody who's been having a conversation with God, and God simply says, watch, won't, there it is. (laughs) Jesus says, come over here, Mr. Blind Man. I got to do something for you. Have a seat right there. And the man sits down, and Jesus goes, watch this. (laughs) 
and he stands over a pile of dirt and starts hocking loogies. Now, if I were one of the disciples, I'd be like, oh, we could have got some, you know, some sterilized water. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you could have put some ointment, you know, some mercuricone on it or something. It, you didn't have to start spitting. He spits down in a pile of dirt a voluminous amount of saliva, enough to make enough clay enough mud to cover this dude's eyes. <laughs> Thankfully, the man was blind, so he didn't know what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> there was another dude Jesus spit in his mouth, and that dude could see. He saw it coming. Can you imagine standing still for that? <laughs> it's like your faith is saying, don't move, just take it. <laughs> but your humanity is going, move. <laughs> He spits on the ground and makes mud, makes, makes mud and puts it all in this man's eyes. He makes the guy dirty. He takes a disgusting thing, a nasty thing, saliva, and mixes it with a dirty thing. Yeah. And then anoints the man's eyes with it. And this is his method of working a miracle. Some of you have gone through some nasty stuff in the year 2018. Yeah, 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 you yeah. feel like you got dirt just rubbed all in your yeah. eyes and, yeah. and you don't realize that your trial has, is the means by which God has anointed you for your miracle. You look at the dirty, all the terrible stuff that you went through in 2018 and you're like, Lord, why did I have to go through all this dirt and all this garbage? And God's like, no, you don't get it. I'm anointing you for your healing. Yes. See, this is the problem. The problem is we tend to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. We tend to think that we're smarter than we actually are. We tend to esteem ourselves as having a higher level of intelligence than we actually have. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not as smart as you think you are. I don't care if you have 12 PhDs, six master's degrees, five BAs. I don't care if you have the highest IQ test on earth, you're still not as smart as you think you are. Because if somebody were to ask you a question like, 2018, was it a good year or a bad year? Define your 2018. How was your 2018? If you were actually honest, you would say, I'm not qualified to answer that question. Because I don't have all the information. I can't answer that question until I get a revelation of all the ins and outs of what God was doing behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I see is what I see with my natural eyes. All I know is what I felt in 2018. All I know is what I see, but that's not enough information to make an assessment of the year. But when I get a revelation of what God has done, then I'll tell you how the year was. It's like you're, you're walking down the street and you see a big pile of doo-doo on the side of the road. And you're like, this is horrible. I'm calling the city 
This is terrible. It's stinking up the whole neighborhood. There's a four-foot-high pile of doo-doo on the side of the road. They need to, the city needs to come down here and clean this up immediately. And you're on the phone, and you are livid, and you're so angry until the gardener shows up and says, don't you dare move my fertilizer. This fertilizer is about to make every lawn in this neighborhood greener than you could ever imagine it. You see, some of the doo-doo you've gone through in 2018 is simply the fertilizer that God is using to make your lawn greener than you could have ever imagined. You called it doo-doo. He called it fertilizer. You need a revelation to see that the stuff that you've walked in is simply some fertilizer that God is using to greenify your lawn. Yeah, I said greenify. I made that up right now. <laughs> greenify, to make greener. If somebody asks you, how was your 2018? The answer should simply be, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. You shouldn't even say, you know, I made some mistakes in 2018. You know, I just made some bad decisions in 2018. And I know my, we're suffering the consequences of my bad decision. Because, I, you know, I just, I, ah. But you haven't stopped to think that even the fact that you made some bad decisions simply could be because God pushed a button that drew something out of you that you didn't even know was in you yeah. so that he could pull it out of you, destroy, break it off of you, and set you free for the rest of your life. And you may look back on 2018 and say, thank God for pushing that button and bringing that thing up. Thank God I made that mistake. That mistake was the best thing that ever happened to me. A couple of weeks ago, my wife told us the story of what happened at our orphanage down in, in Mexico. And it's so powerful to see that all of a sudden the, the government came in and tried to shut them down. And they were hiding kids in closets. It was the worst possible scenario for an orphanage that has devoted itself to take care of children. If you asked them in the midst of the trial, is this good or bad? They would have said, this is the worst possible set of circumstances that we could ever go through. And, and they were hiding kids. And then they had to go down to the city and fill out all this paperwork and, and jump through all these hoops yeah. and, and they had to fill out all these forms and they had to register all their children and in the middle of it they filled out a form with the names of all of their children and the clerk said um, it's interesting two of your kids here have the same last name as two of our kids in this detention center and they said oh really we'd like to meet those kids and they met those kids and said you know what we want to take these kids home and they took the kids home and when they brought them in the door the two other little girls with their last name fell apart and started crying because their two brothers had wandered off in the street five years earlier and gotten lost and they hadn't seen their brothers in five years yeah, yeah, yeah. it was the trial that reunited these four brothers and sisters together and when they saw the joy in the faces of these children, they said, thank God the government came in here and tried to shut us down. Thank God we had to go through what we had to go through. Because had we not gone through this trial, we would not have this joy. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the word of the Lord to you. The blessings of 2019 are dependent upon the trials of 2018. Wow. The blessings of 2019 are dependent upon the trials of 2018. The stuff that you have endured in 2018 is fodder for the blessings of 2019. Had you not gone through it, you would not partake of the harvest that's coming out of it. And God says you need to start even rejoicing in your suffering. You need to rejoice in your trial. You need to look back and stop judging your journey and stop saying this is bad. And speak with faith and say, and we know. 
that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. Is it a good or bad situation? And we know. So you see, I don't know if it's good or bad. I don't know if it's right or wrong. I don't, I don't even know what's going on sometimes. But we know, the one thing I do know is that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. I want you to say, and we know, and we know that in all things, God works for the good. Of those who love him and who are the called according to his purpose. Sometimes when you don't know anything else, you simply got to cling to what you do know. And the one thing I do know is that God works. I sense God wants to break shame off of some of you. He wants to bring, break condemnation off of you. Some of you are looking back on the trials of 2018 and you're just ashamed of yourself. You're so ashamed. You feel so much condemnation and you feel you feel so you're berating yourself. You're your own worst enemy. You're looking. How could I? And what's wrong with me? And what's the matter? God says, stop all of that nonsense. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. That doesn't mean you haven't made mistakes. That's not the point. Of course, we made mistakes. There's some stuff I wish I had a do over in 2018. But the point is, God is bigger than your mistakes. God is bigger than your mistakes. He's bigger than what you did, and he's bigger than what was done to you. He's bigger than what you did, and he's bigger than what was done to you. And when you get a vision of the God who is bigger than what you did and bigger than what was done to you, all of a sudden you look back on what you did and what was done to you with different eyes. Instead of seeing it as a setback, you see it as a setup. Because if you see it as a setback, you'll take a step back. But when you have a setback, instead of taking a step back, you better get ready to step up because you're about to come up. I'm about to start rapping up in here in a second. (laughs) The blessings of 2019 are dependent upon the trials of 2018. Yeah, yeah. And you got to get your mind right. Yes. Did God redefine your 2018? Yes. Did, did you get that? Or do yes. I need to preach some more on that? Because <laughs> I gave you all the time I got. We got to go to 2019 or else I'm going to keep you here till two. So did God redefine your 2018? Yes. Yes. You got that revelation? Okay, yes. then I can move on. Yes. Now we got to talk about 2019. Yes. Because we've got to understand the blessing of 2019 or else we're going to be looking for a different kind of blessing than the one that's actually coming. We must understand the concept of divine order. All things are yours. All things are yours. Whether things in heaven or things on earth, all things are yours. Your father is God. Cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. You are joint heirs with Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are a joint heir with Christ of all things, which means all things are yours. You say, well, I'm poor. No, you might be a rich person having a poor experience. (laughs) But you're not poor. I'm broke. Mm -mm. You're a very wealthy person having a broke experience. (laughs) But you're not broke. You're not broke. Right? 
Because your father possesses all things. But there's a divine order to things. There's a divine order. The problem is that we tend to set our minds and hearts on the lowest form of blessing that God could possibly give us. And then we get disappointed when we don't see that manifested in the time that we desire. It's kind of like you getting an opportunity to have a meeting with a president of the United States. And in that meeting, the president has given you the opportunity to request whatever you want. And you think long and hard about what to ask the president for. And finally, you sit with him and you say, sir, I got this parking ticket last week. Do you think you could take care of that for me? That is what it looks like for most of us when we pray. Because you're asking God for the lowest possible form of blessing that you could possibly ask for. You're asking God for stuff that Jesus said not to even give any thought to. You know, like what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink and what we're going to wear. Like he said, this is what the Gentiles are seeking. He says, your father knows that you have need of these things, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you as well. You see, the realm of material blessing is an added blessing. It's added to you as well, but the actual blessing is the kingdom of God. And the problem is we don't seek the kingdom. We seek what we will drink and what we will eat and what we will wear. We're asking God for houses and lands and we're, it's just parking tickets. God, would you please take care of my parking tickets? And God is like, you're standing talking to the king of kings and lord of lords and you're asking him for stuff that's going to perish? Stuff that's going to die? If you're talking to the eternal king, you better ask him for eternal things. Oh, I'm rhyming again. I didn't even know it. (laughs) If you're talking to the eternal king, you should ask him for eternal things. Now, the kingdom, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Jesus said, the kingdom of God is not eating. And Paul said, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What is the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When you seek the kingdom, what you're actually seeking is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If God were to give you an abundance of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, that would be a far greater blessing than all the money in the world. And if you don't see that, you're short-sighted even to blindness. You've forgotten that you've been cleansed. Literally, if somebody were to give you the choice between righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit and billions of dollars, you should take the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And if you don't believe me, just make a list of millionaires who have committed suicide. And you're able to see that those temporal blessings actually don't mean anything in terms of the quality of your life. So what we should ask, actually be asking God for in 2019 is the Holy Spirit. What God has actually increased your capacity in 2018 for is a greater infilling of the Holy Spirit in 2019. Matter of fact, Paul says he has given us his spirit that we might know the things that we have been freely given by God. You can't even discern any of God's gifts without the Holy Spirit. Everything God gives, he gives that for, for us to freely enjoy. He's given us all things freely to enjoy. But we cannot even freely enjoy the things God has given us until he gives us the Holy Spirit. And when he gives us the Holy Spirit, he gives us a revelation of what we have received. 
and the value of it. And so the theme for 2019, the theme for 2019 is spirit of life. The theme for 2019 is spirit of life. In 2019, we are going to pursue the spirit of life. In 2019, and I want to say this, 2019 is for seekers. In 2019, we are building a seeker-sensitive church, but a new kind of seeker-sensitive church. A church that is sensitive to the seekers, to those who are seeking the Holy Spirit to those who are seeking the fullness of the presence and power of God. May I say to you that if you are not interested in seeking the fullness of the spirit and power of God, then this might not be the church for you. If you're here for an encounter with Christianity, this might not be the place for you. If you are here for an encounter with God, this is the place for you. And I'm not saying that because we have more of God than any other church. That's not what I mean at all. What I mean is that this is what we are seeking. We are going to come together to seek the fullness of the Spirit. And everything we do in 2019 is going to be about the Holy Spirit. On Sundays, we're going to preach on the Spirit. And during worship time, we're going to pursue the Spirit. On Wednesday nights, we're going to pray for the Spirit. We're going to seek the Spirit in everything we do. We're going to seek a fuller measure of the Spirit of God. This is not to say we have more of the Spirit than anybody else. Absolutely not. But it simply means that together, we're going to seek the fullness of the Spirit in 2019. And what we want to do in 2019 is to provide you with a battery of resources that will enable you both to seek the Spirit as an individual and for us to seek the Spirit corporately. And in that vein, I've written a devotional for 2019 that I'm publishing one month at a time called Spirit of Life, the same as our theme for the year. And what I've done is taken 150 verses from Genesis to Revelation on the Holy Spirit, all of the primary relevant verses in the Bible on the Holy Spirit, and written a daily devotion for each of them. And so if you follow this from January through May, five months, you're going to go all the way through the Bible and we're going to, going to reflect on every verse on the Holy Spirit in the Spirit of Life Daily Devotion. You can order it on Amazon.com <laughs> Prime. And I made it as cheap as they would allow me to make it. It's $5.99 for this devotion. If you order it today, it'll arrive by Tuesday because if you have Prime, that's two-day delivery. <laughs> I, I ordered a bunch of them to have here today, but they were supposed to come yesterday, and I got the notice they're going to come to my house tonight. So uh, they'll also be available next Sunday, but you could, if you want to start on January 1st, you order it on Prime. So why are we doing this? Why? Because we want you to have a way to dig your daily well of devotion, your daily well. You know, some people have come to me and said, you know what was awesome? Last Sunday, we had a bunch of people invite Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior for the very first time. Like that, that, you should cheer for that. Like that, you should say amen. You should be happy about that. Nothing makes me more happy in the world than to see people make decisions for Jesus Christ. And we asked if you made that decision, come to the front, shake my hand. I want to hug you. I want to say hi. 
And I couldn't believe the, the people just coming to me and said, I made that decision today. They wanted to shake my hand and hug me. And I'm like, man, I'm so thankful. I'm so, I'm so excited to hear that you made that decision for Christ. But let me say this. We had, I believe there was a, a number of people make that decision in 2018. And every year we have a large number of people make that decision over the course of the year. But by the end of the year, can I say this? Only a small percentage of them are actually still around. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean if you make the decision for Christ, you got to stay at this church forever. Yeah. But overall, in Western Christianity, the problem is that people make decisions for Christ, and in large measure, they do not live out that decision for Christ. Making a decision for Christ in an American church is like making a New Year's resolution. <laughs> it's like joining a gym on January 1st. <clears throat> Matter of fact, you might still be going to the gym after you've already forgotten about your commitment to Christ. And we got to ask the question, why? And so often the answer that we give to that question is, we don't have enough resources. We need to have a new believers class and we have to, and don't get me wrong, those resources are important. That's why I wrote this devotional because I want, you know, some people that came to me and say, how do I seek God's face? I want to know how to seek God's face. How do I pray? I don't know how to pray. I wanted to provide you with a daily resource for doing just that. But do you know what's more important than a daily resource? In the early church, and we're going to see this, and by the way, I'll tell you this in a second, but in the early church in Acts chapter 2, there were 120 people gathered in an upper room for a 10-day prayer meeting. At the end of that 10-day prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit came in power. And then this guy named Peter stood up and preached to a crowd of thousands of people. At the end of that sermon, 3,000 people stepped forward and embraced Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. First-time commitments to Christ, 3,000 of them. And guess how many of them stuck it out? As far as we can see, all of them. The difference between the early church and today's church is that when people committed their lives to Jesus in the early church, they stuck it out. I mean, when they decided to follow Jesus, they actually followed him all the way to the end of their life. And many of them in the first century sealed that decision they made in a day. They sealed it with their blood. Yeah. Like they actually died for the decision that they made that day. When they, I want Jesus. And when they said, I want Jesus, a couple decades later, they're dead for, because of Jesus, because of the testimony of Jesus. Like they were willing to stick it out till death. Do you know what the difference is? The ones who received Christ in that meeting in Acts chapter 2, before the chapter was over, got filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was such an overwhelming outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon their lives that they were established. Paul talks about it in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 12. He says, I long to come to you that I might impart some spiritual gift so that you may be established. Paul says you can't be established in the faith without the establishing work of the Holy Spirit. Without the establishing work of the Holy Spirit, the Christian faith is nothing more than a philosophy. Without the establishing work of the Holy Spirit, the Christian faith is nothing more than a theology and a set of morals that you try to live by. Yeah. God wants more for you than morality and theology. Yeah. He wants reality. Yeah. And the spirit of life 
But this is the key. Each and every one of us seeking a deeper measure of the spirit of life every day. Now, Jesus, uh, in Luke chapter 11, he's, he's talking to some people and he said, how many of you fathers, if your son asked you for a fish, would give him a serpent? It's like, Dad, can I have a fish? No, but you can have this snake. <laughs> or if he asked you for bread, would give him a stone. You're like, Dad, can I get a biscuit? You're like, here, catch. <laughs> Just throw a rock at your son. How about that? That'll teach you. <laughs> right? He says, if you being evil, isn't that crazy? Jesus just looked at everybody. Y'all are all evil. <laughs> I mean, compared to him. <laughs> you know what I mean? He says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There are certain things that God will do regardless of whether you ask him or not. There's some stuff. God sometimes will heal you without you even asking him to heal you. I, I, have you, how many of you, many of you, you've experienced the healing power of God and you didn't even ask. Yeah. God just visited you miraculously. God will deliver you from stuff you don't even know to ask him for because you didn't even know you were in bondage. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll look back and say, man, God delivered me. I didn't even know I was bound. Do you know God protects you from dangers that you don't even see? Yeah. That God delivers you from trials you don't even know you're in? That God sets you free? There's stuff that God will do without you asking, but there's other stuff that he won't do until you ask. Yeah. And giving the Holy Spirit is one of those things. Because over and over again throughout the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit is spoken of, he is always spoken of in the context of Ask. How much, if your son asks you for bread, you won't give him a scorpion, you won't give him a stone? How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And those are all continuous action verbs, actually. He's literally saying, your father goes on being willing to go on giving the Holy Spirit to those who go on asking. Yeah. In 2019, we're going to go on asking for the spirit of life. There's not a one of us in this room that's so spiritual that we don't need to ask for the Holy Spirit anymore. There's not a single one of us in this room. John Piper says, if you do not hunger and thirst for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you've drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because you've nibbled too long at the table of the world. You've been eating rocks and scorpions and don't know that you're hungry for bread and fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus says the Father goes on being willing to go on giving the Holy Spirit to those who go on asking him. And so what we're going to do in 2019 for the first five months of the year, January, February, March, April, May, I'm going to teach all the way through the book of Acts, chapter by chapter. In every one of our Sunday services, I'm going to teach through the book of Acts over a five-month period. So if you stick it out the first five months of the year, you're going to go through all of the major passages on the Holy Spirit in the Bible, in the devotionals. And then you're going to go deep into the book of Acts 
in the Sunday services. And I would challenge you to include Wednesday night prayer where you can actually seek the face of God. Wednesday night prayer is so powerful. It's so powerful. God is there in such a powerful way. But this is the key to understanding. None of us can control God. We can't make him come. We can't make him manifest his Holy Spirit the way we want him to. That's not what it's about. It's not about manipulating God and getting him to do something we want. If you ask, how is the Holy Spirit going to manifest? I don't know. This isn't about controlling God and getting a particular thing from him. This is about surrendering to God. Because he desires to give us his Holy Spirit more than we desire to receive him. But I believe with all my heart that in 2019, God wants to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. All we got to do is get hungry. I want to say this last thing, then we're going to close the service. Our vision statement. What's our vision statement? Say it. God truly among us. God truly among us is our vision statement, not our slogan. There's a difference between a vision statement and a slogan. A slogan is something that is already true. A vision is something that is not yet true. Your vision is, the vision of any corporation actually, of any organization, should be something that is unfulfillable fully. It's something that we should always be moving closer and closer and closer to, but we never get to the point where we say, it's done. God truly among us, we don't fully experience that till we get to heaven. Like till we're standing face to face with him. The goal is for us to walk closer and closer and closer to him until we get to heaven. Like Enoch, he walked with God and then he was no more. He got so close that God said, you know what, I just got to take you. I can't, I can't wait no longer. I mean, dang, if you get any closer, you're about to disappear. I might as well just take you now. Enoch walked with God and then he was no more. He was not waiting to die to see him face to face. Every day in his life he was saying, I want to go closer. I want to go higher. I want to see a little bit more of your glory. You see, the reality of God's presence with us is both revealed and hidden. We revel in what is revealed and we hunger for what is hidden. Yeah, 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 yeah. We revel in what is revealed, and that's why we rejoice at what God does among us. Yes, God is among us. Yes, God is truly among us, and we revel in his revelation of what he has done. Every time we come together, there's something God did. Yeah. And if you don't know how to revel in his revelation, you're always anxious and disappointed. Yeah. After every service, you go home anxious and disappointed. Every time you pray, you're anxious and disappointed because what you were hoping for didn't happen because you don't know how to revel in his revelation. Sometimes you just got to stop and say, you know what? What God has done is so beautiful, and I'm so thankful for it. God is truly among us. But then you also have to learn how to hunger for what is hidden. And when you learn how to hunger for what is hidden, you rejoice in what he's done. But something in your heart says, and there's so much more. And there's so much more. And in 2019, we're going to reach for the more without forgetting about what he's already doing. We're not going to be anxious about it. We're not going to be despondent about it. We're not going to be disappointed with God. We're going to walk in thankfulness. But it's going to be a thankful hunger. A thankful hunger for more. 
The psalmist said in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul thirsts for God. And in speaking these words, he defined the plight of every human person. Whether you know it or not, your soul thirsts for God. Whether you feel it or not, your soul is thirsting for God. Whether you're aware of it or not, your soul is thirsting for God. You might be aware of 10 other thirsts, but underneath all of them is a thirst for God, a hunger for God. All we want to do in 2019 is obey your thirst. <laughs> obey your thirst. You're not thirsting for Sprite. You're thirsting for Jesus. God wants to make us aware of the deeper thirst. He wants to make us aware of the deeper hunger. You're not thirsting for church. You're thirsting for Jesus. You're thirsting for the Holy Spirit. And if you would open your heart to him each and every day, just a little bit wider, God will enlarge your heart to receive a deeper measure of his spirit than you could ever imagine each and every day. And right now, would you just open your heart to him? Would you just close your eyes and open your hands and open your heart to him and say, Lord, give me a deeper hunger. Make me aware of my hunger for you. Make me more aware than I've ever been of the fact that I need you. Lord, I pray in 2019 that you would build the fellowship of the burning heart. The fellowship of the burning heart. May it be our portion in 2019. Let our hearts burn as we walk with you on the road. And I pray over every heart and every mind that you would break off the shame of 2018. Take us to the pool of Siloam and wash all that dirt out of our eyes. Open our eyes to see that even our mistakes were a setup for your glory to be revealed in our lives. That even what I've done wrong, what the enemy meant for evil, you meant for good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy Spirit, come. Break off everything that would hinder us from drawing closer to you in 2019. Everything that would weight down our hearts, specifically any unforgiveness or bitterness, we just release it right now. Would you just do that? Take away bitterness from my heart. Take away unforgiveness from my heart. Whatever would weight down my heart and prevent me from pursuing something more in 2019 that would prevent me from entering into the blessings that you have prepared me for in 2019. I want you to just speak it out. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. Holy Spirit, give us the capacity to forgive, to relinquish all bitterness, all wrath, all malice, all slander of any kind, so that as newborn babes we might crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it we might grow up in our salvation now that we have tasted that the Lord, he is good. We drive out everything that would hinder us 
There's some stuff that needs to stay in 2018 that we're not going to allow in 2019. Unbelief, unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, malice, wrath, slander. We're leaving it in 2018. No more of that junk. You can't go with me. All of that stuff was born in my heart out of unbelief because I didn't understand that it was a good thing. I called it doo-doo, but the father called it fertilizer. I called it dirt and saliva, but Jesus called it anointing. I didn't understand, Father, that what the enemy meant for evil in my life, you meant for good, but I understand it now. Yeah. And so I open my heart to you, and I release the blaming. I want to be blameless, but in order to be blameless, i got to stop blaming. I'm not going to blame myself, and I'm not going to blame others. I'm simply going to lift up my eyes to you, yeah. to you whose throne is in heaven. And we say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Make us new. Transform our hearts and our minds. We need you. And we trust in you. And Jesus, we give you the praise for everything you've done in 2018. And we can spend so much time complaining about what we didn't see you do that we miss everything you did. And so much time lamenting about what we did wrong that we forget to give you thanks for what you did right. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. We magnify you, Lord. We minimize the work of the enemy and we magnify the work of the Lord. We give you praise in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.